we are wanting to introduce the concept that I want to bring today and the when you pray. It's been a season for us of really more effectively engaging in places of prayer and conversation with God, which I want to really talk about. I believe God really wants to enhance our understanding of having conversation with him today. Like, that's part of our assignment. Do you believe that there are assignments when we gather? There, I believe this morning God wants to enhance our conversation with him as a result of our gathering, of our worship, of our exhortations, of our breaking bread and scripture. And so I want to walk you through the journey. I'm just going to kind of tell you my outline today. We're going to start really light, and then we're going to get really deep. And uh, I'm going to take you to a place. I mean, you know I'm fairly intense. In fact, uh, last week it was kind of funny. We had somebody, I guess, that was a, a guest to the church, and they, uh, they're going to come back. But they said, uh, man, I really love your church, but boy, that pastor is really aggressive. I'm not sure. Um, and so I'm pretty aggressive. Uh, that's kind of the way I live life, kind of the way I do marriage, parenting, all the things that I do. It's extreme. And so we're going to start a little light, and then we're going to dig in. We're going to get a little deeper to the point that I, I'm, I mean, I'm just going to put it this way. I don't even quite myself normally go quite to where we're going to go today in our landing point, but I really believe God wants to arrest our attention. He wants to get our attention. So today, the focal point, when you pray, protect your perspective. your day's really bad. I mean, somebody else is probably having a little bit worse day. Uh, yesterday, it was interesting because normally Saturday, I'm really guarded with uh, Saturday is the only day that my wife is off work and I'm not demanded on uh, from a church standpoint. So we really focused on the Sabbath and I had uh, committed to attend a church service in another uh, church that a guy had invited. And so we went to participate in this service. And, um, and then I thought, you know, I'll come up and check on things here. And I don't really like to come up Whenever I don't have to, you know, on those types of scenarios, we had, we had a thousand people on our campus yesterday with all of our games and everything, and spe you know, special thanks to Chris Hamill, uh, who oversees all of that athletic department, all the people that are working so hard. But as I pull up, there was this awful smell, and uh, the sewer was overflowing. How I many of you know that's never a good thing? Uh, I mean, by the end of that day, everybody was pooped, if you know what I mean. It was like <laughs> overflowing in the parking lot. The parking lot's full. And, and so all of a sudden, like my willingness to be here, you know, when I see that happening, suddenly it changes. And I just got to tell you how happy I was to be here when they cleared that. And aren't you glad they cleared it? Because you arrived today without that horrible uh, odor. But, you know, honestly, life can be going along, and then a circumstance hit us, and it changed our perspective entirely. Isn't that correct? And suddenly, like, uh, you know, even the last week was the September 11th tragedy uh, anniversary, and you do realize that nine months after that event in 2001, nine months later in 2002, there were many, many babies born. Isn't that interesting? Why is that? Because when we as a nation and as a world really walk through the sudden realization that life is so precious, 
and many lost their lives in that moment, we suddenly realize what's most important, and relationships become more of the focus, and intimacy begins to be expressed on every level, and babies show up nine months later. But you understand what I'm saying? It's perspective, isn't it? How many of you believe that we need to learn to pray with the right perspective? And I believe we are so distracted so many times from the correct perspective that God wants us to hold and God wants us to have. And so if you'll fill in your first blank, perception produces perspective. Perception produces perspective. Like things that, and let's just be honest, things that stress us out really in the overall scheme of things probably shouldn't really stress us out, but we let them stress us out. You're more powerful than that. I just want you to know, in Christ and what God's deposited in you, you are more powerful than allowing these menial circumstances around you to stress you out all the time. Rise up in the power of God Almighty. Let the peace of God abound in your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, protecting and preserving and declaring. There's healing in every direction. There's provision in every direction. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we can ask or imagine. Come on, I believe we ought to all just declare it today. Receive it. Just clap it in over your life. Sometimes you might just need to stand up in church and call that thing over in your direction. That's all right here. Don't let me be the only one being aggressive when we show up and we start talking about the kingdom of God. When I'm declaring healing, some people need to aggressively say, as for me and my house, we're going to experience that. We need to walk this thing out in a way that's not just a bunch of religious ideology. We say, yeah, I believe that way. No, that's who we are. Jesus is alive within us, and the power of God is being demonstrated through our surrendered available lives when we are willing to submit to him. Perception produces perspective. So we've got to get the right input. This is why it's so vital that you and I stay in the Word. We treasure the Word here. Stay in the Word. Turn the page. That concept, every day, turn the page, write the date at the top of the page, get that old-fashioned Bible and just create an heirloom, a treasure that your children's children will one day hold, and they'll see all the meaningful memories written out uh, in, in, the, in the progression of that all through the Scripture where you're just turning, every day you're just feasting, you're trying to get God's perspective. How important is it that we get the Word of God in our hearts? Like, that's just like almost saying, how important is it that we breathe? How important is it that we drink water? How important is it that we eat and nourish our body? How important is it that we get the Word of God? Do you want to live, or are you, just, are you really just you know, merely existing? Are you willing to settle for merely existing, or is anybody in this place ready to truly live? Step up into all God has in store. That's what we're aiming for. Memorizing the Bible, think about this. Memorizing the Bible is to memorize the mind of God. What a profound consideration. And when we start memorizing Scripture, not just reading, turn the pages great, but then memorize some Scripture, meditate on some Scripture. I want to challenge you. Listen, when you start to awaken this stuff in your life, you move past the religious ideologies into the place of experiential expression of God in humanity. That's why Jesus came. We should not just be walking. Jesus didn't come die so we could be nice people. He came and died so that we could live. He's trying to raise up a wild-eyed generation that will turn the city upside down, just like the book of Acts. It says they turned the city upside down. We need to understand that. It's not just some simple concept, little nicety thing in, in, in the faith. This is more than that. This is our recognizing he's a risen king. Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He's alive, and he wants to speak to you, and he wants to speak to me, and we need to hear his voice. You know, I've 
this last week, we're, we're, my family's walking through a challenging time. Um, just, you know, I haven't said much about it. I don't think I've said anything about it congregationally. We're good. God's faithful. But we've had a medical report that's challenged us for my oldest daughter, Faith. And we're just declaring God's a miracle-working God. I mean, that's it. He's a miracle-working God. So when they start talking about the things that they're wanting to accomplish and the you know, things we want to do, we're going to walk out whatever the doctors are asking us to walk out. But let me just say, as for me and my house, we're depending on miracles. So when I'm up here declaring what I'm declaring, come on, we're calling forth some miracles. We're calling forth. We just call them in, in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. By your stripes, we were healed. <laughs> now, I'm just going to tell you, it's going to take me longer to get through a message the more you do that, but I like it. We're just calling it in. Some people just need to call this in today. God is not wanting us just to try to go through the world and be nice. I, I'm not, that's why I'm so aggressive. <laughs> that's why I'm so intense. I need this in my life. Over my baby, I need this. I am, I, I, listen, we've got to walk this out in a way that we're declaring God's kingdom is showing up and breaking in because we're willing to do more than just try to be nice people on behalf of God and make it to church from time to time. You can't go to church. We gather as the church. The fire of God falls in the church because we are the church and we go out as the church everywhere we go carrying the power of God within our own hearts. And this last week I got a, a message and, and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm actually praying over all this with my family, my girl, my, my, both my girls, but Faith specifically. <coughs> and Wade Moore uh, sent me a message, and he just said, praying for Faith, and their, their family staying with our family in this, as are several families. And, and he wrote a specific verse that he had read that morning, and the Holy Spirit gave him for us. It's Isaiah 41.10. And so I look at this verse, and I realize this is the verse, like, before my daughter was born, this was the verse God gave me as her life verse. And so I think, I mean, like this, she knows her verse. She has, she has memorized. As a little kid, we taught her. This is both girls. God gave us a word for them, and that became their life verse. And so I'm reading the text, and I'm thinking, well, he must know that. So I respond back and say, you do know this is my daughter's life verse, right? And he responds, no, I was just reading, and the Holy Spirit put her on my heart to pray this particular verse. Good confirmation. Come on, God wants to have some conversation. Uh, this week, again, Jason Shiflett told me that just in his devotion time, his quiet time, God is speaking just profoundly right now. God is wanting to have some conversation. He wants us to listen. Uh, it's been a month, two months ago, my wife told me, uh, we believe in not just making New Year's resolutions, and I'll start talking more about this in weeks to come, but we believe in discovering and hearing God for New Year's revelation. Every year, God has something in mind. What's God have in mind for you this year? Are you walking that out? And already, my wife came and she said, God's just having conversation. I know what my 2017 New Year's revelation is going to be. And I'm just hearing everybody saying, God's talking, God's talking. I mean, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just trying to encourage you today to embrace this. Like last week, he talks about some crazy stuff now. 
Last week, uh, I just I wanted to take my dad out to play golf before we started our day, and we, we hit the crack of dawn, you know, tea time just for nine holes, and then we were going to go on with our day. And so I got up really early, and I was just praying, Lord, give us a good day. Father, son, time, you know, you just got to make the most of creating those memories together. And, and I was just praying, and, uh, and I started reading in the book of Acts where Peter was hearing God, and, and I just suddenly felt God increasing a hunger in me to hear the voice of God. Like people were coming to talk to Peter, and God told Peter, they're coming to talk to you. Go down there. And I read that, and I thought, you know what? That ought to just be normal living. You and I ought to be walking in daily conversation with God. And that just began to awaken in me on another level. It just began to awaken to me on a brand new level, and I just began to pray. And the Holy Spirit said, today when you're playing golf, you're going to find a golf club. <laughs> And when you find the golf club, this is what I want you to pray for the owner of that club who will have lost it. And so I'm just kind of thinking, you know, it's one thing for me to come in here and pray. It's another thing for me to go out with the golf club and pray, you know. <laughs> and, and, and plus, like, who forgets a golf club, you know, when you're playing golf? And, and so, I, you know, I, I wrestled with it a little bit in prayer, and then I just dismissed it and said, okay, Lord, anything you ask. How many of you just say that? Anything you ask. Today, I'm asking, how many of you just say that? Anything you ask, Lord, anything you want, anything you desire. And so we went out, and I didn't even think that much about it until I got to the last hole, and I realized, oh, man, I hadn't, didn't find a club. I was ticked off. You know, you don't always hear it right, do you? And I thought, Lord, I thought you, you know, I didn't ask you for that. I felt like that's what you said. I just kind of was a little frustrated with God. I was trying to coach him along, you know. <laughs> and I'm walking down the, the, the final fairway, get up on the putting green, and there my dad looks over. He goes, oh, look, a golf club. <laughs> and I mean, I just had a little Holy Ghost golf revival. <laughs> I just think God wants to stir us up to hear his voice. And I... I know not everybody can make it, you know, at like 6 a.m. on Tuesday morning in prayer. But this Tuesday, I just felt the Lord was saying he wants to bring a specific download in this regard. And we're going to pray this thing. If you're not able to be here, we're going to be praying for you and agreeing for this. I mean, there are like 40, 50 people that are showing up at morning prayer now on Tuesday mornings. Let me invite you. Not only come if you can make it, but bring somebody. And let's believe God for the kingdom of God to break out to the left, the right, to the front, to the back, the north, south, east, and west in every direction. Let's believe God. Today at 2 o'clock, everybody can go have a quick lunch and come back. And uh, you really want to prioritize the things of God. We're going to give you four weeks on a Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. After we do our morning services, we want to just go through four weeks of enrichment focus. And so that'll start today. If you really want to press in on the thing, deeper things of God, deeper, more meaningful things of God, then please plan to be here at 2 o'clock. We'll be less than an hour today. Uh, in our time together, but there's a punch that we need to really embrace as we start to understand just some basic stuff about the power of God's Word and how much we can trust the authenticity of His Word. How many ever wondered, is this really God's Word, right? You've wondered that. I've wondered that. I went through a time of real searching. And so the results of all of that searching, I'm going to share this afternoon so that you can 100% put your confidence, your trust in God's living and active, powerful Word. And the more you get into Scripture and the more confidence you have in the fear of the Lord and the truth of His Word, the more you will hear His voice. And we want to try and raise up a mighty army that understands that. If we're not careful, our perspective gets hijacked. That's why all this stuff's important. 
getting in the Word, turn the page, memorize, meditate, prayer, enrichment course. Why are we doing all this? Why am I up here ranting over? Because our perspective gets hijacked. Some of you this week, you've drifted in your perspective. And, and me too. And, and we need to come back, always bring our perspective back to center, back to what God wants our perspective to be. If we're not careful, our, hijack, our, our perspective gets hijacked, and we, we start acting like spoiled little brats. Anybody capable of acting like a spoiled little brat, even though you're a full-grown adult, perhaps, right? Spoiled little brat. I, let me give you an illustration. How many of you know the new iPhone came out? Praise God. Woo! New iPhone. Yeah. No headphone jack. Anybody know about this? Like, people are going crazy. This new iPhone does not have a headphone jack. And, like, they're blogging about it. And they're, I mean, I'm going to have to buy Bluetooth headphones now because there's no headphone jack. I mean, I, it's just crazy. Like full-grown adults, somebody unfollowed me on Instagram. They unfollowed me. I followed them, and then they followed me, and now they unfollowed me. And I don't know why. And I'm thinking, why did I, what did I post? Facebook, whatever it is. What did I post? And you go back, and you're looking at your post. What did I post that might have made them unfollow me? And then you send a text message to somebody, and, and they don't respond. They didn't respond to my text message. Some of y'all said this, had this conversation in the last 24 hours. They didn't send me a text message. I sent them a text message. They didn't send me a, I saw bubbles. I saw bubbles. The bubbles were there, but then the no words came. And so what were they thinking? What did they write that gave me bubbles that they deleted? And I don't know what they might be thinking. You know. It's like crazy. We live our lives in this hijacked perspective. Let me just ask this question. Here's the big question. This is what I want to make sure we understand today. Are the eternal priorities of God giving birth to our perspective? Are the eternal priorities of God giving birth to our perspective? I want to take you to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of fame of faith. And I want to show you something I have never seen in this portion of Scripture ever before. And it is deeply, deeply challenging. And this is like, you know, faith is substance of things hoped for, evidence of things unseen, and it's this whole progression of all these fascinating. How many of you wish you could have faith like these men and women of God of Scripture? Can I just see, like, quench the fires? And I mean, amazing faith. I mean, I wish I could have faith. You, I, I want to just challenge you. I'm going to show you this in Scripture. Your faith, let, let, I'll say it a different way. Their faith is dependent on your faith completing the picture that God has set into motion. Like, I want to have faith like them. Do you understand they longed for the day that you and I live in today? Like, they only knew of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through which the promised child would come and the lineage of the Messiah would be preserved. And one day, these are days of old people talking here, these mighty men and women of God that we say, if only we could have faith like them. And they were like, one day there's going to be a Messiah. When that Messiah comes, he's going to unleash power in the earth unlike anything we have ever known. Because in their day, one person per generation got the power of God kissed upon their lives. You, you, you know this. Like there aren't a whole bunch of mighty men and women of God all in one generation. Anywhere in the Old Testament, basically it's one person used by God to be breaking the kingdom of God. All these days of old, these men and women of old, they're looking ahead and they're saying, there's coming a day where there's going to be everybody in the fire of Elijah, everybody in the power of Elisha, everybody in the power of Daniel and the lion. There's coming a day every person on the planet will have access to the presence and power of God unlike any thing this world has ever known. That's what they were longing for. That's where we live. I can't 
believe the iPhone does not have a headphone jack. <laughs> Hebrews eleven twenty nine. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the, the fury of the flames. They escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead raised to life again. These are the old days. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Wait, think about this. The eternal purposes of God giving birth to the perspective in such a way that they were being tortured. And anything you want is just like, get me out of here. And they refused to be released so that they might achieve an even greater existence in all eternity. This is crazy. This doesn't make any sense to the natural mind. And he goes on, achieving a greater resurrection, verse 36, some facing jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. <clears throat> Imagine watching family members have a saw taken to their body as they're strapped down over wood and literally sawed in two, all taking place as they have determined they're going to give glory to God no matter what type of persecution comes their way. Who's going to win the president race? What are we going to do if the wrong person gets in there? Is there a right person or are both of them wrong? Does anybody know? What are we going to do? You are powerful men and women of God. Stop relying on a political system to be your savior. I'll need somebody to get with me on this now. I'm talking politics now, and it's a, it's a chaotic mess in this nation where the Christians, the men and women of God, have bowed to presidential candidates more than they're bowing to Jesus Christ. And I say, he's alive. He is powerful. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. God is able. God is able. I, I'm not against any political maneuvers and being devoted to whatever God's calling to you, but don't let anything be idolatry in your life. Verse 38, the world was not worthy of these people. The world was not worthy of them. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what God had promised. Do you get this? None of them had seen the Messiah materialize in the earth. That's what this is saying. They heard all the stories. They knew what was coming, and they had all this faith. None of them had received what was promised, but you and I have received the power of the Holy Spirit released in our lives to be having conversations, hearing his voice, empowered from heaven to rock this world for the power of God Almighty. Notice verse 40. Here it is, kingpin verse. This is what I want to challenge you with. Since God had planned something better for us, this is where we're in the picture, New Testament church, that together with us would they be made perfect. That's crazy. The faith of these amazing men and women of God, coupled with our faith, completes the picture of God's plan to redeem and transform the planet. Yes. I want 
my headphone jack. How am I doing? You getting it? I mean, you understand. It's like perspective. When you pray, protect your perspective. The Bible says that when a husband is embittered against his wife, his prayers are hindered. When you pray, protect your perspective. Guard your heart. Take thought every captive. Don't let a single captive, don't let a single thought run loose in your brain that, that doesn't need to be crucified according to Scripture. If it's, if it's not aligned with God's Word, you need to kill it. Bring everything, otherwise you'll live a bitter life. You'll live a, a life that's far less than God's very best for you, and the people around you will never experience what God's designed for them to experience because you're, you understand, when you live less than God's call, you live a diminished perspective in the earth, and other people don't get the value of what you are supposed to be releasing in them. Early Christians understood. Let me just take you through a brief progression of history, church history. Early Christians understood this all started Jesus, Rabbi. Like people looked to him and realized this is the Messiah. And, and, and very few people, like there weren't mega churches in, you know, in these places. There were small gatherings of people and they were hiding because they would be killed if, if they were caught serving this king who proclaimed kingship. And that, this was a hot button issue going on. And these people knew they were the Jesus movement. And that's your next point. I want you to write in the first century, the first century church was clearly a Jesus movement. That's what the first century church was. They're clearly a Jesus movement in the earth. And what happened was all these people were persecuted, and then have you heard the story about this emperor named uh, Constantine? And so Constantine, like, he becomes a Christian. And all the Christians are so happy because now all the persecution of the Christians is alleviated. And now the Christians can kind of come out of the closet with their faith and like be out in the open about who Jesus is. And it was an incredible time of the church breaking into open declaration of, of who Jesus wants to be in the earth. And it was phenomenal. But it didn't last for all that long until there began to be a reformation back where Christians became you know, not everybody was happy about this, and there began to be all this transition back, and terrible things started happening. 25 years after Constantine died, Emperor Julian, uh, he returned Rome. He wanted to return Rome to paganism. He wanted to get rid of these ideas of Christianity and, and, and revert back to where the good old days, where they all stood together in, in you know, the, the perspectives that they had held prior to all this Christianity nonsense. And, and Julian wrote a letter, and, and I, I quote his letter. It's a Pretty famed letter now, and he said this these Galileans support not only their own poor, but ours too. Like, what a problem! This is a huge problem, and it was. He goes on in his letter and he says, It is going to be difficult to get control of society when Christians are living such generous lives. First century Christians knew that they were to be filled with God's power and filled with God's compassion to be God's expression of generosity, love, serve, give in the earth. In such a way, the entire community became dependent upon their generosity. And when leaders said, we're going to take power back from them, they said, the greatest challenge is just how much these people love and care for other people. Is that spoken of us today in society? 
So all this transition, there began to be all these challenges that were taking place and all this, you know, like continued persecution reemerged and, and all kinds of stuff was, was going on. It's just bizarre when you start looking at what the, what the early church was facing and going through. And, and in the Roman Colosseum, they would burn Christians at the stake that wouldn't deny their faith. And it was said that, that Nero, history teaches us, Nero stood as he would give the signal to light the fire. And these Christians, surrounded by throngs of people in, the, in all the stands watching on, would begin to burn to death at the stake. And Nero was still sticking his fingers in his ears, asking the question, why must these Christians sing when we burn them to death? And I heard that story and likened it back to the three Hebrew children that were in the fire, but they did not smell like smoke. And the only thing that got burned off were the ropes that held them. I don't know what they were experiencing in those moments when you would think in the natural, everything about it would be horrific, but they somehow began to worship God Almighty in that moment of transformation from earth into heaven. And history tells us also that Roman citizens and sitting in the Colosseum literally would jump over the wall to run down and experience something that was so far beyond what this world could ever provide for them, knowing that running to that, the, the Christians down there was a declaration that I am choosing to believe what they believe, and I know it's going to cost me everything. I know that this is certain death, but I refuse to stay in the stands. I refuse to stay in the crowd. I refuse to remain disconnected from what God God wants to do in the earth. And the challenging question for you, and the challenging question for me, how many people would be willing to die for what they see in our lives, in our pursuit of God, and our experience of him in this earth? If you don't devote yourself to the greater purposes of love, you confine yourself to a self-serving existence, and you were born for more than that. What a mouthful. If you don't devote yourself to the greater purposes. In other words, folks, your faith is not just about decorating your life. Your faith is not just about you having the most awesome life you can possibly come up with. God's not against you having an awesome life. Blessing begins with him. He told Abram, I will bless you. How many of you believe God wants you to be blessed? You need to understand that God wants you to be blessed, but he doesn't want you to be a blessed reservoir. He wants you to be a blessed river where there's some flow through in your life. If you want to understand blessing, you start giving out of the, uh, of the provision that he's given you, and you will see God will broaden your horizons. God will enlarge your territory. God will increase your legacy. There will suddenly begin to be expressions of heaven through your life in profound and powerful ways. I mean, no, he's a God who can provide no matter what the circumstances may be. Your world is diminished by the life you don't live and the difference you don't make in the lives of other people. Your world is diminished by the life you don't live and the difference you don't make in the lives of other people. Restlessness and boredom abounds in the church. I, I mean, like, I love the church. 
I, I get to be the lead pastor of this church. I get to be a pastor to other pastors who pastor churches. I talk to them all the time. We're, we're always discussing the, the love Jesus has for the church and, and how difficult the church can be to deal with sometimes. Can't anybody in here agree? I mean, we, I, and I'll tell you, some of the worst people to deal with in church are pastors. <laughs> now that I'm working with pastors, man. Like, it's crazy. You know what? God just reaches into frail humanity and uses us in our worst, always hoping his very best, even at our worst. But here's the problem. The church in general suffers from such restlessness and boredom. And I believe it's largely the result of smallness of purpose. Rarely are we equipped to get past our own needs. Everything about giving is just give and God will meet your need. God will, you'll get your bills paid for you. It's like we almost have to talk people into living sacrificially by way of promising that it's going to be better for them if they'll do it. That really should, I mean, and, and though that's true because it is more blessed to give than receive, though that's true, that shouldn't be the manipulative bait required to get God's family to be sacrificial in the way we love, serve, and give. Somebody ought to... Amen me a little more than that. I'm, I'm preaching good today now. This is, this is some good preaching. We need you in this fight. We not only need you in this fight, we need every one of you in this fight. We not only need every one of you in this fight, we need every one of you sacrificially involved and engaged in this fight. That's what the tables are for. Everybody serving in different areas of ministry, set up tables, ministry. I mean, that's, that's what we do. We're family. Before you leave today, make sure you're looking at all the different tables and ministry opportunities out there. Thank somebody for serving. They're greeting you. They're making coffee. They're taking care of kids. They're providing worship. They're providing tech. They're, all the different things you'll see out there are, are all laid out. The event's coming, and we need help with all those things. That's just what we do. We're family. We work together. We team together. That's just part of our expression to our community. But it's way more than that. It's just that that's one of the fundamental, most core elements we as a church family need to understand. So I, this is where I, I'm going to go, you know, like take off the gloves now and, and we're going to land in something that's going to be a little more intense. And I, you know, I'm a pretty intense guy, but I, I've, I've just, this is real personal to me. So it might be, you know, that, might be that step um, further than what I've normally walked with you as a church family. And I, I want to start first by saying it's great to have a blessed life. I want you to know that. I'm in no way questioning if we shouldn't have a blessed life. I have a blessed life. I love my wife. I love my kids. We love our home. We love to travel. We, all those things. But they'll never be our idol. They'll never be our God. And we need to have the right perspective to get this right. And so what I wanted to do is kind of hone in on Pastor Chris today and his blessed life because I'm proud of you. And I want to say thank you to our campus pastor, Chris Neeson, who does a great job serving, working constantly, tirelessly, he and his family devoting himself to give so that we can be a better place. So I want to voice my appreciation video live to you. Thank you, sir. Uh, we bless you today. <laughs> and I thought we'd do a little slideshow for you. So here, you know, this is, this is a slideshow, and we'll just kind of walk through this way. Here's Chris, Jana, Riker on the right, Rowan in the back. Rowan's who I'm going to kind of center on, but what a blessed family. There they were making ketchup things. <laughs> what was that? Pizza. Oh, they're making pizza, yeah. 
And so, uh, you know, great family time. Now, next picture, I think, is Father's Day. And this is uh, something I believe Jana posted saying, Chris, you're a great dad, and you are. And I honor you today for that. And it's great. And just think about what a wonderful family. There's Black Belt uh, in training uh, Riker at the top left and, and Rowan down the right mowing. And the next picture shows just the boys and their really fine young men growing to be mighty men of God. And then the, the final pick is uh, Rowan. Now, I want you to look at Rowan. Because like what I've just done is presented you a certain perspective. And I want you to really look at him. Because when I saw this next image, I saw Rowan. And, and I heard the story about a Syrian family that their home had been bombed. And this little boy in this picture reminded me so much of Rowan. I mean, when I saw it, it really shook me. And I don't know if the barefooted little boy or the blood caked on his face or the stare that is trying to just wake up out of the confusion got me most. But I want you to think about those pictures we just saw with this frame of reference, perspective. So then we go to the next, go back, and, and there he is. And Rowan's a wonderful little boy, blessed life. And then let's go to the, there, don't forget, we want to keep that perspective. Okay, the next one then we see, and there the boys are, and they're having a wonderful life. And we're not against a wonderful life, but let's don't lose perspective. That's my whole point. So we go to the next, and we kind of keep it in check the whole way. And then the next, we see the the family and father. I mean, what a wonderful life those boys have with their dad. And then I wonder what's going on with this little boy right now, you know, having lost his home. And then, then we finally back to the, where we started. And, and it's, almost, it's almost unfair to see those pictures with the little boy between them and it's almost unfair to see those pictures without the little boy between them. You understand? These are not easy things. These are not nice people show up, learn a few verses of Scripture, sing a few songs, go live your life, have the best life you can, give the best life you can to your kids, and not worry about anybody else in the world. There are people suffering and dying around the globe. And it touches the heart of God. And it should touch our heart. Last month in Syria, ISIS militants rounded up a group of Christians for medical checkups. Ada held her daughter Christine in her lap. Everyone was ordered to hand over all the money, gold, clothes, ID cards. A jihadi walked up to Ada and he took the baby girl right out of her arms. Ada like any mother would, pleaded, Christian mother, pleaded for her daughter back, but was forced back to her seat at gunpoint as they drove away with their little girl. Her family's sleepless nights are filled with outrageous prayers, trying to get past unimaginable concerns of what might be happening. Here's Christine. Again, I, you know, I told you, this is, I'm, I'm really pushing it. I, I know I am. I'm really pushing it. It's one thing for me to be intense and draw you to that intensity. It's another thing for me to take you down this journey emotionally. I know this is deeply emotional. But I, I want to say all of this to simply ask you, 
if we put our prayers next to the prayers of Christians living in Syria, how many of us would be humiliated and embarrassed? Honestly, I believe this is a perspective that God wants us to have. Largely, it's born out of a willingness to have a conversation with God where he's actually speaking to us about the things that really matter. Because we don't really know what really matters. We get consumed with gadgets and consumed with little things that stress our lives. I, you know, I just feel like there are some things that need to break off of us today. I'm, I'm just, as your pastor somebody that you've entrusted your spiritual well-being and growth and develop to, and not just me by myself, our eldership team, our structure here that exists, I answer to these men and women, but as, as the lead pastor standing before you today, I want to just say to you, I feel there is a fire from God. He's wanting to give birth in our hearts and in our lives that takes us past just standard business living. And I want to ask you, if you're here today and you say, I know there's some specific issues. I mean, this is not like I know everybody generally could say I need to do better. That's not what I'm after here. But you know there's some specific distractions that you've allowed to take your imagination captive, hold you captive. I want you to sustain to your feet and I want to pray for you that those be broken off in Jesus mighty name we're going to break some distractions that have held us back no more distractions no more distractions no more we, we don't want to allow those things to become monuments in our lives we want to lay them at the foot of the cross that they would discover what it is to be crucified in our own life so that they have no power over us whatsoever. We, we have held back some areas of our lives way too long, and we just let that go. Every one of us in the room, I know we have need to make that statement, but there are specific things. Anybody else, you say, I just know there are these issues that have distracted me, and I today serve notice on them. Anybody else just stand? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are having a conversation with us. Forgive us, Lord, where we have been so self-absorbed that we've not been willing or able to look beyond our own disposition. And I pray for these men and women who've stood to their feet. And I pray, God, according to your word, that when we confess our faults to each other and pray for each other, there's something of healing that comes from heaven to replenish and restore and rejuvenate and begin to transform us. And we just surrender to that power today in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we agree. We pronounce a blessing over these men and women of God. We pronounce a blessing over their disposition and perspective. They'll begin to see with clarity and with focus, Lord, what you're desiring to accomplish in them. What you're desiring to accomplish not only in them, but to them and through them. That your kingdom would come. That your will would be done. Lord, that your kingdom would come. That your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven through our surrendered available lives. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I want to ask if everybody would stand in agreement that we will take a step forward in our faith and our relationship with God Almighty today. Let's give Jesus 60 seconds of the best praise we have to offer. Just declare it.